This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. Well, how many are ready to learn how to walk in tall cotton tonight? Walk in victory, stay in victory, etc., etc. Let's see, don't have any handout sheets, but I do have a PowerPoint tonight. We're coming right along there. Let me do this. Okay, got that? I want to show you a couple books out of the bookstore that will help you to live a victorious Christian life. Uh, What's the signals? What'd you say? Oh, well, we had a PowerPoint, but somebody let us down, and I won't say who. Had a wonderful PowerPoint for you, and it was going to be really good. So now you have to have your own PowerPoint, so... You just make up your own, fill in the blanks, make up your own point one, two, three, four, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, last week when my daughter, my little granddaughter, Kiana, was here, we got a transfer station where we take our trash up in Newberry Springs and we'll punch a little card over there. And the lady knows us, so lots of times she didn't have her punch, so I had my card. And my granddaughter said, Grandpa, you got invisible holes in there now. <laughs> and so you have an invisible PowerPoint. So you make your home. Amen. Well, anyway, here's some things out of the bookstore that will help you, really help you. Uh, seven, seven steps to receiving the Holy Spirit. Seven steps to receiving the Holy Spirit. And I want to show you another one. Why tongues? Why tongues? Those are two books that if you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost yet, speaking in tongues, you need those books. Study those books with your Bible. And if you already tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled Christian, you need those books. Study those books. Because not only will they uh, help help refill you, but also it will help you teach somebody else. You know, the thing, thing about Christianity, it's like a pregnant woman. We always got to know we're eating for more than ourselves. When we're feeding on the Word of God, we're feeding to help somebody else too. So we should not only get nourishment for the Word for ourselves, we should know how to feed somebody else till they're able to feed themselves. Amen. Is that right, Dave? Amen. And so anyway, these books like this, sometimes, you know, you think, well, I don't really need that. Well, maybe you don't need it for you. And just like a, just like a lady going to have a baby, sometimes she might not think she wants to eat, but she's got to eat for the one she's carrying. So we need to be able to feed, feed ourselves and feed somebody else. And tonight we're on Back to Basics, Part 2. And for your PowerPoint there, you get to write this out yourself or you're not going to have, you're not going to have it. Okay, the title for tonight is part two, back to basics, but develop a spiritual root system. Develop a spiritual root system. And we're going to be at Mark chapter four. That's where we were last week in this. That's where we're going to be at Mark chapter four. But to develop a spiritual root system. And as we were worshiping the Lord a minute ago, <clears throat> I'm just kind of thinking about the song we were singing about the miracle worker and all those good words of that song there about what all he can do. And in this Back to Basics, what this series is about, matter of fact, 10 years ago, 10 days from now, 40 years ago, I gave my life to Jesus. 40 years ago in 10 days, I'll be 40 years old. And I was, I was worshiping the Lord. I was thinking about my Christian life and what I've watched for 40 years. Been preaching for 39 years. But what I was watching out of these years is what I don't want to happen to you guys. I don't want to happen to other people. The Lord started me off at a Pentecostal church. And they had a lot of good preaching. But I don't think I ever heard them teach. Teach the Word of God. Well, the Bible talks about preachers, talks about teachers. we got preachers, we got teachers. And anyway, at this Pentecostal church, uh, you know, I, I don't know how many, how many of you have ever been around a real Pentecostal church? I mean, the real Pentecostals where they got the long hair and the no makeup and they, what we call, sway from the chandeliers and do the holy rolling. The holy rolling is because they fall down a lot and flop around a lot and do a lot of stuff. Well, at this church, here's, here's, here's what I'm looking at after this series I'm teaching. At this Pentecostal church, that's where I got started at, where God had me at. And there was a lot of emotionalism, a lot of emotionalism. When things good happened, they were very emotional and they were very excited. They could jump and they could shout, but if things didn't go good for a day or two, 
Then they got the old Pentecostal look. Long hair, long faces. Well, hey, how you doing today, sister? Under the circumstances. Well, I found out you didn't have to be under the circumstances. They allowed the circumstances to control them. If people on the job treat them good, then they're jumping up and down. They're coming, coming to church, man. They were shouting. They had a bad day on the job. They might not even come to church. Or they might not come to church for a month or two because they backslid. And then if something good happened, they go, God touched me. And all of a sudden, they shout victory again because their emotions ruled them. And then on the Christian radio on my truck, I started catching a guy named Kenneth Hagin on the radio every morning at 9.30. Faith seminar of the air. It was a faith seminar for 15 minutes every day of Brother Hagin. And then all of a sudden, I discovered a guy named Kenneth Copeland. A lady named Marilyn Hickey. On and on, lots of good faith people, just one after another in the morning time, they had faith lessons. And I, I listened to Brother Hagin teach, and man, I started getting into it. Then I found out there were Kenneth Hagin books. Started getting the books. And then I started, I started, I started praying, Lord, please give me a pastor that teaches like Brother Hagin teaches. I need a pastor that teaches the word. I need a pastor that teaches faith. And then the Lord led me to, I think it was the first word of faith church in, in Indianapolis. He was my pastor until I went into the ministry until he went to heaven. He was my pastor. He taught the word of faith. And then, and then I found out how to keep victory. And so that's what I'm teaching on these Sunday nights right now, back to basics, the basics that for 40 years I've never backslid. For 40 years, I've been a tither every time I got money. Every time I got a paycheck, I tithe. If I didn't have a paycheck because I was laid off and I got blessed, God got my first 10% of what came in. And then if we didn't have food in the house, we praised the Lord and food showed up. We didn't have gas in the car. We praised the Lord. The car kept rolling. I remember one time I went five miles after running out of gas. I went to do a funeral. Went to do a funeral in another town, and uh, I only had five dollars that they gave me at the funeral for doing the funeral. And coming home, had a great well, great big old Hogger cars. What was that car? Big old Oldsmobile, about a sixty-some Oldsmobile. Man, those, I called it the boat. And that thing just kind of did that because the shocks and everything just kind of went like that. And coming home, after I got that $5, I got a wipe there, but I knew where a gas station was. And I was coming, coming up in there where the gas station was. All cut the car started sputtering, was out of gas. And so I just prayed in tongues and praised the Lord. Man, I hit a roll up the road. It really started slowing down. Then I hit another little dip in the road and pick up a little speed. And go a little bit like that. And I was just, oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. And then about come to a stop, and I hit another little incline. Whoop! And go down again, and I'd pray for no hills. And I coasted into the United Gas Station, put five dollars worth of gas in it, and just kept on going. I call that tither's rights. And you know, I don't run out of gas. Ever since I was a kid, my dad learned me, you fill it up. You don't get a dollar's worth, you fill it up. Somebody said a dollar's worth. Well, back then, when gas was 30 cents a gallon, man, you get three gallons. So a dollar's worth to take you a little ways, but why, why, why just get a dollar's worth if you get five dollars worth to have a full tank? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we want a full take, and I, I learned I learned the basics of Christianity. So I want to stick with that tonight and, uh, and, 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 and just help you not to be roller coaster Christians. What's a roller coaster Christian? We're like a yo-yo Christian. What's a yo-yo Christian? You never know if they're up or down. You know, some days they're up, some days they're down. Like the roller coaster, man. Sometimes it's a thrill. woo the next thing you know, puking on everybody. Amen. So we don't want to be that. We want to be Christians that are solid. Backsliding is not a thing that we even know what that word is. We don't know except for somebody else to help them to get front sliding again. That's always been, that's always been one thing. I've been a pastor. I've always thought, well, if you could backslide, why can't you front slide? Just keep on sliding your little bottom right into church. Keep on sliding right into home plate. Come home. Come home, come home. Amen. And so Mark chapter 4, what I want you to see here, verse 11. Mark chapter 4, verse 11. Jesus said this. Unto you it is given to know the mystery, the mystery of the kingdom of God. Unto you 
is give to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. And by center column, uh, says, says the Greek word for mystery is secret or hidden truths. Secret or hidden truths. And what that means is this. God has things that are hidden from the devil's crowd that are revealed to God's people. Things of the Bible aren't hidden from you. They're hidden for you. I want to say that again. The things in the Bible aren't hidden from you. They're hidden for you. And you know, in Hosea 4, 6, this is a verse you can write down. It says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. That means ignorant. And Jesus said, there's things hidden for you, and that means so you won't be ignorant. God does not want his people ignorant. God never wants you to go around saying this old religious thing. Well, you know, he moves in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. Well, if you're ignorant and mysterious, I think about how I came to the kingdom of God 40 years ago. Uh, started going to this Pentecostal church. When I was a boy, the only two spirits I had was the Baptist and the, and the disciples of Christ churches. They didn't know anything about a Holy Ghost or healing or anything like that. The one church didn't even know about born again, I don't think. But anyway, the whole thing was, when I, when I come into the Pentecostal church, they were anointing people for the name of the Lord. People were testifying they were healed. I saw people getting healed. I was with a lady that needed healed. And so on, I got born again on January 29th. But on January 28th, that's what brought me to January 29th. This, 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 this lady needed, needed healing, real seriously healing. And, uh, matter of fact, for, for the, our serious soul winning prayers night, Austin, when I, when I was getting hungry for God, and I started going to this Pentecostal church, and just different, this, well, I went to Disciples of Church, Christ to try to, try to get saved, and went to the altar every week, and nobody would lead me to Jesus, and went there and told me, I need to get right with God, and basically the pastor, associate pastor, kind of, Gave me a little stupid, uh, well, we'd like, we'd like to know him too. I thought, man, you're the preachers. And, and I started going to that church there, and one of the lead, lead choir singers was my best drinking buddy. That's the absolute truth. Me and him go to this place and drink beer all morning long when we got off work. And I show up to this church because it was the neighborhood where I grew up at. Look up there in the choir, there's old Jerry up there with his robe on like that. <clears throat> up there singing. It, anyway, anyway, I, I, I was seeking God, and that same truck driver friend of mine told me about the Pentecostal church. Because his wife was going there, seeing miracles and healings happen, and he was all excited because of what she was telling him. He wouldn't go, but he told me about it. And I was hungry for God, wanting to get right with God, so I'll tell you what, that's like Peter Rabbit, the briar, briar patch, man. I thought, man, let me get there. So I got to the Pentecostal church, and I saw all these things happening, but I didn't give my life to Jesus. Went there for a month. And I was excited about what all was going on. So anyway, on January the 28th, I decided, me and and this lady I was with, decided that God was real. That's how the whole conversation started off at that night. I said, I said, uh, you think you're getting better because things have been happening for her body and her health, getting better from going to that church, just been in the atmosphere. And, uh, yeah, I think so. And I said, you think God's real? This is, this is, Bonafide, sincerely, you think God's real? And she said, yeah. And I said, I think he probably is too. I, I remember I said, probably. I said, I think he probably is too. And so I said this. I said, well, if he's real, then that wasn't that Pentecostal preacher lady that healed you. It had to have been God. And if he's real, this is, this is a sincere conversation. I'm, I'm pretty much putting verbatim a conversation that night. I said, well, if he's real, he's not just in that church. He's right here, right now. And he's listening to us. He knows what we're talking about. And I said, if he's the one that healed you, not the Pentecostal preacher lady, then it, he wouldn't want you to have these other things that you still got. He'd want you to be healed of all of it, not just part of it. And so I said, I believe he'd heal you right here of the rest of it. If we pray. She said, yeah, I think he probably would. I said, we don't know how to pray. (laughs) And we didn't. So I called the truck driver's wife. And I said, Debbie, we just decided God's real. And I said, 
I believe he wants to hear, heal so-and-so. But I said, but I don't know how to pray. How do you pray? And I still don't know what she said because what happened then is why I'm here tonight. So turned around to her. I laid my hand on her. And I hadn't given my life to Jesus yet. I laid my hand on her. What I did, just get this picture. This is the only way I've ever been able to describe it since then. Stand in a bucket of water. Have a light socket there and take the ball out and stick your hand in it while you're standing in the water. I laid my hand on her. This has never happened. I've had lots of miracles happen through me laying hands on people. I've had the power of God flow through me thousands of times over the last 40 years. I laid my hand on her. And when I did, I felt electricity come through my elbow to my fingertips. It knocked us out. Didn't wake up till the next day. Knocked us out. We just fell over. Knocked out. Power of God comes to my... And I have prayed for people in countries around the world. Thousands of times for church people and sinners and everybody else. I've had the power of God come out to a degree. It's never come out so strong that I actually think, man, I just added a bucket of water, stuck my hand in a socket. That's that powerful. And so the next day, next day, woke up, went to my truck driving job. I was in downtown Indianapolis at a customer's office making delivery. I called this lady to see how she was doing. And she told me all the things that was gone when she woke up that morning. And I'll never forget it. I stand, They had this counter for salespeople at this place. And I had to call my dispatcher until I made this delivery, you know, tell them what I was doing. And I got up and I thought, man, I'll sneak a phone call in. Such like that. Hey, how you doing? Well, she told me what happened. I hung up the phone. And I forgot where I was, and I raised my hands. I said, Jesus, I know you're real now. I'm going to give my life to you, Jesus. Anything you want me to do, Jesus, I want to do it for you. And that's when I gave my life to Jesus because of what happened. And then, and then because of all the emotionalism, then getting to hear the word of faith people, I had to have a word of faith pastor teach me how not to be flaky like these other people were. I see these people come in, they give their testimonies, and then you wonder where these fireballs were for the next six months. Until they got another goosebump, they couldn't come back. And so, I said that to say this about the kingdom of God. Jesus said he wants us to know the hidden truths, the secrets of how God does things. And so, it never surprises me when somebody gets healed of cancer that's a believer. It never surprises me when somebody says, Somebody just gave me a car. It never surprises me when somebody says, well, all my college just got paid for. It never surprises me when somebody says, my teenager came home and they just surrendered their life to Jesus. Those things are never a mystery to me. I know how God works. He works in line with his word. He tells us what to do. We do what he tells us to do, that he told us to do, and that he follows through and does what he said he'd do if we do what we're supposed to do. Was that confusing? He tells us what to do. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth as baptized, they're saved. If they don't believe it, they're damned. And so what do we do? We preach. He convicts. And then the human being has, a, has, a, has an opportunity to either respond to what the conviction is, or they clinch it. They walk away from it. But it's not a mystery to me. If they die cussing God, they rejected the gospel. It's not a mystery to me when the biggest heathen in my family comes to Jesus when he's been loved, loved on and told about Jesus. They got convicted. They got saved. It's never a mystery to me when I lay hands on a sick person whether it's a little kid up here got the little boo-boo or it's, it's a grown adult that's really messed up bad like that. They come back in. They say, been back to the doctor and, and it's all gone. Everything's cured. We're all healed like that. That's not a mystery to me. Some religious person come in and say, well, wasn't they lucky? God moves in mysterious ways. He says, wonders to perform. You'll never know what God will do. I hear religious preachers say stuff like that. People say stuff like that. And all I think, in a very, very humble way, is you're ignorant. Because he said in Hosea 4, 6, my people destroyed for lack of knowledge, which is ignorance. And Jesus told us, he's given us to know the mystery. And so I know that if we don't understand what God's doing, it's because we aren't spending time in the Bible. We're not sitting under right Bible teaching. Because he said he wants us to know. And so, you know, you think about James 1.5. You can write that verse down. James 1.5 for your notes. 
if any of you lack wisdom, ask of God. He gives to all men liberally, upbraids not. He said, but ask in faith. And so you don't go asking God 15 times what to do. You ask him, what am I supposed to do about this? He said, you ask in faith. Well, anything else you're doing in life, if you're praying in faith, then you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. You start saying, thank God I'm healed. Thank you, Jesus, I'm healed. Thank you, Jesus, I'm healed. Thank you, Jesus, I'm healed. That's faith. If you're believing God for some money for something, and you've sown seed and you're believing for it, like Katie just taught the Word of God a minute ago, thank you, Jesus, I got it. Thank you, Jesus, I got it. Thank you, Jesus, I got it. And so James 1.5 says that if you don't know what to do, you ask Him. He'll give you the wisdom for it. So instead of asking Him, begging Him, crying out every day, and then telling everybody else, oh, I just don't know what to do. Oh, I don't know what to do. You know, saying, Lord, I want to thank you. You said, ask you in faith. I've asked you for the wisdom of God. And uh, I remember years ago when I was first pastoring, my music minister was in between a couple job things trying to see what to do. And uh, I really got revelation on James 1.5 when I was helping him come into my office and said, Pastor, said, I don't know what to do. I said, well, let's look at James 1.5. And so we looked at James 1.5. We prayed for the wisdom of God. And then we got done and said, but pastor, what am I going to do? He said, my family, they're all watching me. I'm a Christian. And uh, what am I going to tell them? Ask me, what am I going to do? I said, I'll tell you what, according to James 1.5, God's not a liar. He said he would tell you what to do. So you just tell them you've prayed. And when you need to know, you're going to know. Because he's not going to let you be out there on the street, your family destitute. You've asked him for the wisdom of God about the job situation. So anybody asks you what to do, tell them you've prayed. And you don't need to know today. Because you still got this job, you're not laid off yet. You still got this job. And so when the time comes, you need to know you're going to know exactly and precisely what to do. Because God said, you ask Him for wisdom, you ask Him in faith. And faith thanks Him for the answer. You ask Him in faith, and then by the time you need it, you'll know what to do. And it worked out just that way. And so that's what I'm talking about. I've learned, and I really want to keep on teaching people at every opportunity, the basis of Christianity. It all revolves around the Word of God. And how to work the Word, how to speak the Word, how to live the Word. So he says you're supposed to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And so he wants us to know the hidden truths. And so then I want you to look at verse 13. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And how then will you know or understand all parables? So when you understand basics, of this Bible doctrine and choose to live your entire life and base your decisions upon this Bible doctrine that Jesus teaches here, you will always receive what the Bible says belongs to you. You will always receive. He said, if you understand this teaching right here, said you'll understand everything about the kingdom of God that you need to know. He didn't say you know everything about everything, but you've got to have a foundational doctrine. Talk about back to basics. You gotta have a foundational doctrine in your Christianity. And so you'll always receive what the Bible says belong to you as a disciple of Jesus Christ. The Bible's the only way to learn and come out of ignorance. It's the only way. It's the only way to come out of ignorance. And so something else Jesus warned us about, verse 9. Look at verse 9. He said this, now listen to me closely. This is really important. I've seen more people fall from this that were good, solid Christians one time than about anything else. He said to them, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And so what that means is this, don't be a religious know-it-all. Don't be a religious know-it-all. Always stay tender-hearted and teachable. Always stay tender-hearted and teachable. And that means being meek, not weak. You know, I think about the different ones in the church here that sometimes they want to share me what they learned out of the Bible. And it's stuff that I've known for 20, 30, 40 years. But every time somebody wants to share something they've seen, a revelation, et cetera, et cetera, it never, ever, ever bothers my preacher's pride because I don't have preacher's pride. I have a love for Jesus. I respect God's people. I always want to learn, I always want to grow, I always want to know more. And so if God shows a new Christian something from the Word of God, maybe I haven't seen that yet. 
But if I have seen it, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to, excite, going to get excited and shout, say, glory to God, that's awesome. Man, I'm so glad you showed me that. Thanks for showing me that. But then I've, I've seen Christians been around for a while. They got the religious know-it-all attitude. Oh, Austin, you just now saw that? Well, I've known that for 30 years, Austin. Well, man, you've been coming to this church for, for six, seven years. You just now saw that? Where you been? I know people like that. I know people like that. You'll be on your job. Think about the Walmart crowd. They'll be on the job. I know there are a lot of Christians at Walmart, and I'm sure at Walmart, none of the people go, this church should be this way. But I'm not sure there's people at Walmart that some Christian wants to share something. Oh, well, I'm glad you finally see that. I've been praying for you. It says, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And that doesn't just mean in church. The Holy Spirit can talk to you through anybody. If he can talk through a donkey... He talked to some of the people that cross our path. Amen? And so I want to say that one more time. Jesus is telling us one of the most basic fundamental truths you can learn as a Christian. And right here he starts off by saying, stay tenderhearted, be teachable, be meek. That means be open to other people, what they've got. I'm not talking about fruitcakes, by the way. I talk about sincere Christians that walk with God and go to church. Amen, amen, amen. And so anyway, we see that there. And then I want you to look at verse 23 and 24. Verse 23 and verse 24. We're talking about back to basics and how to develop a spiritual root system. Verse 23 and 24, look at this. He says it again. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And then I want you to notice verse 24. Something very, very critical, especially the times we live in, with all the information that's coming out on the Internet and everywhere else. He says, and he said to them, take heed what you hear. I circled what, because that's so important. Take heed what you hear, what you hear. And so Jesus not only warns us to stay humble and teachable, he warns us to be cautious what kind of doctrine we listen to. What kind of doctrine we listen to. We're talking about back to basics. If you choose to feed on bad doctrine from the TV, radio, internet, books, it can totally poison your mind and hinder you from receiving the real truth when you hear it from the Bible, from a real Bible teacher that teaches the Bible. And so, I'll say this, our bookstore is very reliable and safe. We have good books that I know personally in our bookstore. They're good doctrine, good books. If a goofy book tries to come around, we don't let it. I remember one time I had a shipment of books come in back in Indiana. And at that point in time, I didn't know I could return them back and get my money back. But they were some really expensive books by a very famous lady Bible teacher in America. And uh, I read the first chapter as she was talking about healing. And she said, well, I know it's not the will of God to heal everybody. Because my dad was the most uh, pious, humble Good Christian man there ever was. And we prayed, we prayed. My dad died of cancer. I took that book and I had about a dozen copies of them because this lady was really famous at the time. I took them in out of the bookstore. I took them over the garbage can. I threw them in the garbage can. I told my bookstore manager, I said, don't ever order anything from this lady again. I said, she'll kill our people. We can't do that. That's such bad doctrine. She might have had some good stuff in other areas. And it wasn't Joyce Myers or somebody like that. It was somebody else. But anyway... Uh, it was such bad stuff. As a man of God, as a pastor, I knew that that was bad doctrine. And what's a shepherd in the natural supposed to do with sheep? Keep them meat in the wrong grass. Guard out for predators, the rod and the staff. Well, you take the staff's got the hook in it. You get their neck, they start getting on eating wrong stuff. You lead them back over, you get them by that, pull them over. Then you got the rod to beat off the wolves and the predators. Like, yeah, well, that's what we are. We're, we got the rod, the staff, and the spirit to lead our people right. So Jesus said, take heed what you hear. And so I know that for me, I've seen enough damage done by preachers that don't know about divine healing, about believers that are good believers in a lot of areas of life, but they don't know about divine healing. Somebody gets a serious diagnosis, and they start telling them different goofy things they've heard that what Bible things about, well, you can't tell what God will do. Well, I say, if I can talk to him, if I can't talk to him, I say it to myself, well, I can tell exactly what God will do. i got a Bible. He said, call for the elders of the church. Go and follow the name of the Lord. Pray the prayer of faith. 
Lord will raise them up. He'll heal them. If they commit a sins, he'll forgive them. He wants them restored. I know exactly what he'll do. Etc., etc. So anyway, I'm just telling you right now. Jesus said, basic Christianity, Christianity 101, take heed what you hear. And so I know that when I, when I hear preachers that are teaching error, I'm so concerned for my own life. I mean, I'm strong enough now I can really handle anything. But I'm so concerned for tender-hearted Christians that somebody's got all kinds of flashy good stuff, man. They got good advertisements, good books. They got 10,000 people following them and all that kind of stuff there. If they're teaching error, you know, it's just like poison arsenic. You know, you, you put arsenic into the system long enough, it'll start building up. Next thing you know, your liver's destroyed. That thing's destroyed on the inside, but the stuff you're putting it in sort of tastes pretty good, man. That stuff, that, that's really good. That's really good. Then all of a sudden, when you come down to crisis time, and you're full of wrong doctrine, then the devil, you know, you think, you, you think, go back to the devil, one of his main things is, uh, is, is throwing doubt at you. What did he say to Eve in the garden? Hath God really said? Hath God really said? And so made Adam and Eve begin to doubt. What did God say? Well, did he really say don't eat of that tree? Did he really mean that? Think about Jesus. I think about Jesus, the first temptation. Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan. All those people saw the, the Holy Ghost come down to him like a dove, filled him with the Holy Ghost. And then when he was led, led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, God just got through saying, you're my beloved son. The whole world heard him. God broadcasted from heaven. You're my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. First thing the devil said, if thou be the son of God, try to get him doubting. Well, see, that same thing happens with Christians. You hear the word of God about healing, about tithing, whatever it is you hear it on. If you start letting people that booger up the Bible and teach wrong things, put that doubt in your mind, well then, well, Pastor Samples got healed of cancer. Other so-and-so got healed of cancer. So-and-so got killed of cancer. Got healed of cancer. But then somebody's been teaching you something. You like all the stuff they do, man. They're great. Oh, man, they got a great worship ministry. Oh, man, I love to worship. But while they're doing the worship, they're talking wrong things about healing. And so you get the diagnosis, and the first thing you know, the same serpent in the garden comes to you and says, Hath God really said? Hath God really said? It's his will for you to live. You're a special case to give him glory. Well, the Bible, when you study Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's no special case that came to Jesus. They were all sick people. The Bible says he healed them all. And then, many times in the Gospels when he healed people, it says... And God got great glory. It says that God was glorified of all. And so the glory came when they got healed. Not when they died or got sick, because nobody else died and got sick like that. The only one that died that, that was, was Lazarus. Jesus did. Lazarus, come out of there. Them better preach than you are shouting. Come on. And, and so anyway, it says right here, take heed what you hear. And so we want to make sure we guard against that. Now to get to where we are this week on the root system, I want you to look at verse 5 and verse 6. Verse 5 and verse 6. And of course he's talking about that the seed he's talking about is the word of God. It says, And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it Wither away. And we sure see that in Mojave Desert, don't we? We see out here what happens, man. Something grows up, you know, especially when we had some rain in the winter time. Springtime comes, man. Those pretty flowers are everywhere. It looks like a carpet out there. They're everywhere. But man, what are they? A week, two weeks, maybe three weeks at the most, and they're gone because there's no roots. Sun scorches them, and they were just back to the pretty brown dirt again. And so he says that. They, they were gone because they were scorched with no root system. Have you ever heard the expression about get rooted and grounded in the word? You need to be rooted and grounded. This is what it's talking about, to be rooted and grounded in the word. You need to be rooted and grounded in the word if you're going to last. And remember, this is a parable. And a parable is a natural illustration 
to get across to spiritual truth. And so we want to flip over to verse 16, verse 17. And this is the spiritual correlation that tells what he's talking about here about this, this, this plant that got scorched. And I'm thinking about Christians that, that, that don't make it. And there's, there's a thing that I've heard said so many times it's the truth. It doesn't make any difference how quick you start off. It's how you finish. Jesus is not going to judge you for how, how quick you came out of the gate. He's going to judge you by did you finish your race? Did you finish your Christian life? Did you stay with him? Et cetera, et cetera. You remember the story of the, of the, uh, of the uh, t- tortoise? It was that when he ran with the rabbit, the hare. They call it the hare. The, the hare of the tortoise? Well, man, that hare, man, he, come, he, man he, was, he was just a ball of fire going everywhere. But he stopped and played around, went backwards and all the stuff that he did. But the tortoise just kept on marching forward, marching forward, marching forward. And the tortoise finished the race. I look at the church right here. Some of, the, some of these older faces here have been saved for years. I'm not going to say Robert's older, but, you know, him and Susan. But they've been running this race for a long time. They consistently stayed in the race. I look at Tom Browning. Uh, I look at Cindy. I look at Michael. I look at that family right there. These people have been saved for a long time. They're sticking with it, running their race. That's what counts. It doesn't make any difference how fast somebody else took off at the same time. I know so many backslidden preachers. It's not even funny. That's sad. I know so many preachers that had influence on my life 40 years ago. They quit serving God. And every once in a while, I look at Facebook. I'll stumble onto one. Selling cars. Saw one that's a... House salesman down in Georgia was one of the most influential preachers in Indianapolis years ago. One of them influenced me greatly. So on Facebook, he's younger than me. He died about a month ago, but he quit serving God years ago. I see all these people started off to have a great influence, and they walked away. And so as a man of God, Jesus told me in John 15, he's ordained me to bear fruit, and that my fruit remain. And that means... That means that I'm responsible for teaching the Bible and then making disciples. And that's what we want to do. So I'm so grateful that all of you here on a Sunday night hear this basic Bible doctrine. That I want to say it again. Jesus said, if you don't understand this, you want to understand how the kingdom of God works. He said, once you understand this, you'll understand how the kingdom of God works. And it carries into every area of your Christian life. And so... Those plants got scorched because they had no, they had no depth, they had no roots. And so verse 16 says, and talking about those plants like that, planted on the stony ground, these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground who when they have heard, say it with me, the word, say it with me, when they've heard the what? The word. Immediately receive it with gladness. Where's Jesse at? Jesse, remember what I told you guys when you come in the door? I didn't say much of anything, did I? You told me you was going to be with me. Man, those Garcia started coming over there. there. There's some more of them over there. Desiree comes in and start coming here. Pastor, I want to tell you, you're our pastor. We're going to be behind you like that. And what did I say? Did I say anything or just stare at you? I thought, man, I've heard this enough times now. I've got so many behind me right now. They'll get so far back. I can't even see them, man. They're really behind me. Way behind me. You know why that is? I've had so many people in this church come here. If, if the people, hey, you know, we got Sydney and, and we got Robert, some of these people been here for a long time with us. Robert, it's probably pretty safe to say we'd have a thousand people in here right now if all those people or those fireballs were here. How many times do they want to take over the mic and preach and testify and stuff like that because they're so excited about Jesus? And you know, you think about Jesus. It says that multitudes come to Jesus to hear the word. Multitudes followed him. By the time time got to the cross, the same multitudes said, crucify him. Man, they changed. They went back the other way. as the same people that come to hear him and got healed. Then they turned on him and wanted to crucify him. And so we're showing you basic Christianity, how to stay with it. So it says, these are, they talk about these people that wither away. It says, they have no root in themselves. It says, and it says, and so endure, but for a time afterward, when affliction or persecution rises, get ready to say it with me, for that was really weak. This is the parable, right? He's talking about 
Why did affliction or persecution cover these believers' lives? For what? The word's sake. Immediately they're what? Offended. Immediately they're offended when hard times come for the word's sake. And remember last week, when we look at verse 15, is that, yeah, verse 15 says, These are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately to steal the word. Satan has one goal in the life of a believer. If it gets you to lay your Bible down, to quit coming to hear Bible teaching, to quit standing on God's Word, praying God's Word, learning God's Word, He's defeated you. He comes immediately to steal the Word. And if that doesn't work, as you keep coming to church, you keep reading your Bible, then, it, then Jesus said, this is going to break offense going to bring afflictions and tribulations your way. And it says the whole thing, the goal is to get you away from the Word of God. I want to make sure we stay on course what you're here tonight. Jesus said, it's given you to know the secret of the kingdom of God. The Word's a seed. Your heart's a soil. And you're the one charged to tend your garden. Preachers plant the Word. God gives you the seed that is the word. He gives you a tender heart as you believe him for it, but you're the gardener. You gotta water it, and we'll talk about that. You gotta weed it. You gotta keep the soil tender. You gotta cultivate it. You gotta keep things going yourself. It takes faith to do those things. Because Satan's goal is to get that seed. If he gets it immediately when it's sown, then he stops you right then. But then, as you're the joyful Christian, as you're the jumping up and down, hoop, down, hooping, hollering Christian, you're the hooping, hollering, what to testify, can't wait to get in on a Sunday. Oh, pastor, got to testify, got to testify. You're that kind of Christian, you are a prime target. You know, I want to say this. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't come by testifying. Faith doesn't come by worshiping. Worship is very right. Testify is very awesome. Faith doesn't come by tithing. We're supposed to tithe. Faith only comes by what? Hear the Word of God. The Word of God will give you faith to worship. The Word of God will give you faith to tithe. The Word of God will give you victory so you have a testimony. But you get out of the Word, you lose your testimony. You get out of the Word, your hands come down, you don't worship. You get out of the Word, you quit tithing. Amen. That's the foundation of it all. So Satan's not after your testimony. He's not after your worship life. He's not after your tithe. He's after the Word. Because the Word growing gives you the faith to do all those things. Amen. He's not after your marriage. He's after the Word that will cause your marriage to be strong. If a wife quits reading the Bible about what wives are supposed to do, then you're going to have a bad marriage. If a husband doesn't study the Word of God about how a husband's supposed to treat the wife, they'll start being jerks. If parents don't feed on the Word of God about how to be godly parents, they won't be godly parents. He's after the Word. If children aren't sitting in church learning the Word of God about how to honor their parents, they won't honor their parents. If Christians aren't sitting in a church that teaches about how to honor authorities, they won't respect authorities. Satan is after the Word of God. And when the churches of America start getting back to basics to show people how to live like a Christian according to the Bible, that our nation will change. And you know, I want to say this. Our job as preachers is to change the world. But the way we change the world is change the people in our world one person at a time. In our church, if we can influence each of you one person at a time, then you can influence a family, your family. And then your family can influence the neighborhood. And then your neighborhood can influence the city. And then the city can influence the county. Then the county can influence the state. Then the state can influence the country. Can you see how God does things? It's almost like the cells in your body. Your cells in the body, if they're healthy, they multiply. Your body gets big and strong and healthy. If a church has healthy Christians in it, that makes healthy families. Healthy families make healthy communities. Healthy communities make 
uh, healthy cities, counties, etc., etc. The whole thing starts at the basics. That's why this is basic Christianity. Because if one Christian in a family learns the value of the Word of God, that's why Jesus said, Acts 16, 31, I'll save you and save your house. One Christian gets the victory from the Word of God, and those that came from the Word of God, they can get their family saved. Amen. And so Jesus tells us right here in verse 16, <clears throat> These are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, such as hear the word and immediately receive it with gladness. How many know how many jumping up and down Christians there are as long as things are good? Things aren't good, the jumping stops, the shouting stops. You know, I think about the consistency. I just keep seeing the picture of that, of that tortoise. Man, the hair's, hair's back there, man, takes off, gets way ahead of him, and starts playing around. Where's the turtle? Where's the turtle? Ha, 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 ha. Where's the turtle? Look at me, look at me. Stops and starts playing around. Gets his eyes off the goal. Stops the focus. Turtle just keeps on coming. Keeps on walking. Show up for men's meeting. Les Roberts have to do the overtime stuff. I guarantee you every men's meeting I've done for the last... Robert, we started these a couple of years after I came here. I think these men's been, been doing them a long time. Robert's there every Saturday morning for anybody else's. We've got lots of other guys that aren't out. We've got other guys here now. But he's like that tortoise. I don't know where Robert's going to be on Saturday morning. What does men's be? Robert's here. Got the lights on. Got the place heated. Got it cooled. Got what we need. Well, Dave McNeil's another man. Dave got the race. Dave's so consistent at the things he does. Lots of the others you guys are too. It's, to me, it's the tortoise. You're walking. You're doing it. Look at look at Cindy Grow, man. Oh, Cindy Grow. I tell you what, she's a story. I'm not going to tell the Cindy story. Yeah, I am. <laughs> when Mrs. Pastor and I came here in 2005, of course, you know we didn't know anybody because we were new here, and so that was Thursday nights, wasn't it, Cindy? Was that Thursday night when we had those prayer meetings? Or was that no Thursday night? Had a Tuesday night, had Tuesday night prayer over there at Victory Hall. And we didn't know anybody. We come in there, opened up the prayer, had a few people in there. I remember that old Charlie guy. Remember Charlie went to the Baptist church? Yeah, he was a good old guy, wasn't he? Anyway, we come in there and we'd be up front praying. I'd open my eyes and I saw this Mexican lady back there. I didn't, I, we didn't have Mexican people back in Indiana. I've said that very respectfully. I look up and I saw this Mexican looking lady back there. She had a little headscarf or something on. It had to be covered or something. But saw her back there praying and she looks, she looked to me so sweet, so spiritual. And I'm not saying that sarcastic. I really mean it. She looked so spiritual, tenderhearted, humble. I saw she was praying and we get done at the end of the prayer meeting, have my eyes closed, say, oh, I want to meet her. I don't mind. She was gone. This went on for several weeks. She slipped in after I was already opened up her prayer where I was praying. I couldn't stop and introduce myself. We was praying at a prayer meeting. And anyway, I'm saying this. That was 15 years ago. She said a long time before that. And Sydney grows that tortoise. It doesn't make any difference what's going on with her family life, what's going on with her job life. Sydney is called Mrs. Old Faithful. And I'm talking about old because of the age, but old because she's old faithful. Just like that geyser up there at that park, they watch it, you know what's going to do, you know what's going to do. If there's something going on that has anything to do with anything, that's in her realm of talents, what she does, Cindy Grove for 15 years has been so consistent. She does what she says she'll do. She does a whole lot more than what she says she'll do. As she keeps on doing it, you count on Cindy. Whatever she says she'll do, she'll do. If she has to pay for it herself, she pays for it. Whatever she does, she does it. And that's what we're talking about, the kind of Christian that's rooted. She's a rooted Christian. I've watched her for all these years. That's what we want to be. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He tells us how. This, he tells us what not to do here, so he tells what to do. And so he says right here, he says right here that, they have no root themselves. These joyful Christians start off emotional like those Pentecostals I knew. But they endure but for a time. 
But when the affliction of persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they're offended. That offended means moved off course, shut down, discouraged. Moved off course, shut down, discouraged. Why did that happen? Because they got away from the word of God. Get up underneath the word of God. They laid their Bibles down and they quit. And so we, as believers, we all get excited. We want to jump up and down with joy and tell everyone we know when we first find out we can have what we say. When we find out that God will bless us financially, we find out that Jesus will heal us. How many, when you first start to hear these things, you want to tell everybody? And if you're like me, you did tell everybody. And I still tell everybody after all these years. But when I, when, when I come from the heathen family I come from, and I found out that my words caused things to happen, when I come to find out that sickness didn't have to be a part of my life, when I come to find out I didn't have to be busted, disgusted, not be trusted, when I found those things out, I wanted to tell everybody. Well, I knew other people at that same time period Got what I got. They wanted to tell everybody, except they weren't, they decided they wasn't Bible people, that they knew everything, that the preachers knew. Still tried to tell everybody. Then they run out of spiritual gas. They didn't go any forward. They stopped. They were shut down. Because they decided, I don't really need church all the time. I know that. I've heard that before. I've heard Mark 11, 22, 23. I've heard that. I've heard about tithing. I've heard about this. I've heard about, I know it. And they forgot that where their strength come from was sitting under the word of God. Having a man of God or a woman of God as a spiritual overseer to watch after their souls, to feed them the word of God. They forgot how things work. And so Jesus said, they get discouraged. They get shut down. They get stopped. And you think about, you think about, you think about the plant. Well, the reason the plant withered away says it had no root system. Had no root system. And you know, I think about the root system, what you got to know about a spiritual root system become rooted and grounded. Remember last week, some of the verses we looked at that you've heard dozens of times here. In Joshua 1.8, he said, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. He says, You'll meditate in it day and night. Instead, he said, You'll make your way prosperous. You'll have good success. That's how the root system comes. Meditate in the Word day and night. You remember Psalms 1-2. It says when you meditate in the Word day and night, it says you'll be like the tree planted by the rivers of water. Your leaf shall not wither. Your roots won't dry up because you're planted by the river of water. And this says whatsoever you doeth shall prosper. Say the same thing over and over again. There's no shortcuts to develop a root system. You've got to meditate in the Word all the time. I got my three by five cards. I'm starting up all over again. My back to basics. I'm adding some more this week. I'm looking at these every day. I'm getting beside my bed. That's what I did as a baby Christian when I knew nothing. When I learned the value of the Word of God, I started writing it down, looking at it all the time. I got my Bible laid on my little study place, opened up to where I'm studying at right now for the verses jumped out to me. I walk past where my Bible is in my house again. I look at it again. I pick it up again. And I'll just look at it, think about it. I pick it up and I quote it where it is, chapter and verse, and I read it out loud again. That's what caused me to get a root system, get strong. And you know what I've learned? I learned this back in the Midwest about trees and plants. And I learned it here in the desert too. That when a tree is in a dry time, a dry season, those roots begin to seek water. And you know, you look along the Mojave Rivers, you go down to Helendale down there about the river. All that growth. You can tell in the desert where there's water around. If you look over off the distance, you see a bunch of trees growing. You know there's water there somewhere because those are growing and everything else is just barren ground. When you see a Christian growing that has their testimony after 10 years being a Christian, 20 years being a Christian, 30 years, you know these people are planted by the water. These people are meditating on the Word of God day and night, spending time with Jesus. And let me tell you, let me tell you something. Now get this. If you're an emotional person on the wrong negative side where everything has to be emotional, especially in dry times, if you don't feel saved, read verses out loud. And what are you doing? 
You're like that tree in a dry season. Those roots are going out. I've got to find some water. I've got to find some water. Especially, especially, especially if you feel lost. Especially if you feel like, where's God? Oh, where's God? Where's God? Oh, I'd give anything for a goose pup. <laughs> you know, there's Christians like that. they got to have the goose pups to know that they're saved. Amen. I remember a pastor I had in the Bible school. I went to Bible school back in 1983 teaching on prayer. He said, if you, if he's teaching what we teach. He said, the word of God is your authority. If you prayed the word, you prayed the answer. God's going to take care of it because you prayed the word. He said, if you got to have goosebumps, know your prayers are answered, I'll get you a block of ice to sit on. If you got to have goosebumps. Sometimes people say, I just feel that God didn't heal me, didn't hear me. Well, if you got to feel it, you're in the wrong arena anyway. God's not a feeling. God's a spirit. You're a spirit. Said First John 5, 14, 15, you pray according to the word, he hears you. If you pray according to the goosebumps, he heard you. He prayed, oh, I just got to feel, oh, such a wonderful feeling. Well, the next time you pray, you don't have that feeling, so I guess he didn't hear, did he? The word is the final authority. When you're praying the word, God hurt you. The Bible tells us over and over again things such as this. God's not a man he should lie. God's faithful. God will answer. Before you ask, he's already ready to answer. God's going to answer. And so I'm talking to you about what Jesus said is to build a spiritual root system, not to be a flake that, that like a snowflake that melts every time trouble comes. And then you look at the affliction, the affliction at persecution, yeah, you got a new word right there. Yeah, that wasn't the Greek. That was Pastor Samples stumbling. <laughs> but affliction, now I want to tell you, so next week we're going to look at some other things he talks about. But affliction and persecution are outside attacks. I noticed that our, that our prayer, our prayer tonight, some of the people were praying for, for some of the people of the church about their jobs, about people getting hard, hard times on their jobs. That's called persecution. But why did Jesus say persecution comes to a Christian? For what? Look at your Bible. The words say. When you know, when, an affliction. Affliction was all of a sudden in life you go through there and all of a sudden you're having car troubles. Don't know what you're going to do about a car. That's having a hard time. That's affliction, man. You've been afflicted in the car arena. Or all of a sudden on your job they're saying, well, we just lost such and such a customer. We've got to cut the overtime out. Or we're going to have to cut you guys back to 30 hours for a while until we get business back. Affliction comes. That's another good reason not to go into debt. I'm glad FPU's going to be all the people at FPU because people are learning what to do. Because if, if, you, if you operate by the Bible principles that Dave Ramsey teaches, you've got a mercy fund, the affliction of getting your hours cut back, you don't have any car payments, major bills going on like that. You got money in the bank like that. Then you keep your joy level because they cut you back to 30 hours. They say, well, praise the Lord. There's more time to go do things for Jesus. I'll get to go to church more. I'll read my Bible more, etc., etc." But I want you to notice again what he said. He's talking about if you don't have a spiritual root system, he said when affliction comes for the word's sake, immediately you're offended. You're discouraged. You're shut down. You give up, you quit, you back off. But notice the principle he's teaching, it's all for the word's sake. He wants, the devil wants to make you so mad at hard times, they start saying dumb things like, where's God? Where's God? Well, I'll tell you where he is. Jesus told me, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And then you think about what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12. He said, but I'm weak, then I'm strong. You know, when you study the Bible and see what that means, what it means is this. Paul was a man of the word. He taught the word of faith. And so he said, when I'm weak, he said, when I can't do it on my own, then I know Jesus is going to take over. That's why I'm strong. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, walk by faith, not by sight. When you're on top of the world, you got all the money, you got all the healing, your family's serving God. 
Church is going good. Everything's going well. Man, it's so easy to have faith. So easy to praise the Lord. But all of a sudden, your best friend in the church decides to backslide. Jesus' name doesn't go to happen, but I've seen it happen too many times. Your best friend backslides. Your job cuts back the hours. Somebody real close to you gets sick that's a really good Christian. You try to figure out why. Things happen like that. And then on the outside, it's so hard to feel saved. So hard to want to praise the Lord. And then besides that, in your prayer closet, you're praying, all of a sudden your Bible seems like a stone wall. You're reading your Bible, you're reading your Bible, you're reading your Bible. And you feel like those Jews over Jerusalem that get up against the wall and just do all that. You just feel like, I read my Bible, I feel like one of those guys, I'm up against the wall, what to do. So then you think, well, I know Bible principles, so I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to close my eyes. Jesus, I just want to thank you and I want to praise you that at one time I was a sinner on my way to hell. And you didn't let me die and go to hell. Oh, thank you, Jesus, I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus, I got a good family. Thank you, Jesus, I got a good job. Thank you, Jesus, for this. Thank you for that. You know what you're starting to do? You're watering the Word with worship. You're watering the Word by faith with praise. That's walking by faith, not by sight. It looks like everything in the world's falling apart. As you're doing that, that Word you had planted is getting watered now by the Spirit of God coming out of you and through you, and those roots are going down, they're starting to go. And that might go on sometimes for a while. You might have a season you have to go through for days or weeks at a time where you feel nothing of the presence of God. And at those times like that, when all this is going on all around you, that's affliction and persecution for the Word's sake. You're praising God, praising God, praising God, praising God. You're praising God, praising God, praising God. You're coming to church. If you do something in the church, you're coming to church. And every time you come through the church, you say, man, I'm going to put on the garment of praise. You're walking through the door. You're praising God. And people think you just got the most victory in the world going on in your life. You do by faith, but not by sight. You're coming in praising the God. You're blessing, you're blessing those little kids. You're blessing other people in the church. You might be on the worship team as you're getting up there. And all, all everything you've cried out, why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you here? You're not even saved. You're not even a good Christian. You're not this, you're not that, you're not this, like that. You're up there praising the Lord because you know that all those things coming against you are for the Word's sake and you refuse to let go of the Word of God, let the Word of God grow in you. You're doing that. You're keeping your joy. You're stirring up joy. You're making things happen like that. And then you'd be like that poem, The Footprints in the Sand. Stand there in front of Jesus, shows you, the, shows you your life, and all of a sudden there's four prints there, and all of a sudden there's just two. Where was you, Jesus? That was the hardest time of my life. That wasn't your footprints, he said. That was mine. I carried you through that. Because you were walking by faith and not by sight. You believed that Jesus was doing it, but you didn't see him doing it. Amen. Amen. Maxine, I'm glad you got that. John, I'm glad you got you got something going on there, too. John's got a little pack going. <laughs> Amen. Is this helping anybody? We're talking back to basics, back to basic Christianity. And I, I'm going to close it down just just a minute. But I want you to get this, what Jesus is talking about here. Everything he said revolves around the Word of God. Those hard times come when you don't feel spiritual. That's the time you're the most spiritual. Because if you don't feel it, you're living it anyway. That proves how spiritual you really are. Because you're letting your spirit man control that emotional man. And you're telling, I like what Lester Summerall used to say. I used to be around Dr. Summer a lot. He said, take your feelings and throw them in the garbage can where they belong. How many times do we hear him say that? He said that all the time because of the roller coaster Christians. If they didn't feel it, they didn't think they had it. They had to feel it to know they got it. And Dr. Summer would look out at that congregation. He'd say, take your feelings and throw them in the garbage can. That's where they belong. Because if you're living off of feelings, you're going to die by your feelings. You live it off the word, you're going to live by the word. Amen. Is this, is this good preaching or what? Amen. We're talking about back to basics. Amen. I want, I want to say this again. I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on Jesus, the word of God. What I found out on January 29th, when I told you that, 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 that office downtown at Epsom, I said, Jesus, I know you're real now. I've never backslid for one day in 40 years. You mean that everything was good? No, we had one mountain that we had to fight for, what, almost 20 years before we got the victory in it? 
had some people persecuting us for 20 years. It took 20 years before we finally won that battle. How many judges, of course, do I stand for? I didn't do things wrong. Nothing wrong in my life at all. That's why as a pastor, when I see people in my church being illegally challenged and things like that, I don't think, well, what they do wrong? I think, man, they must be doing something right if they're getting persecuted this bad. They must be a real threat to the devil. Why else? Why else would these lies and the persecution come their way? And let me tell you something else to help you in that arena then. If we judge a Christian by what they're charged with, how much comes against them, etc., etc., about they must be a bad person, the Apostle Paul was the worst. People falsely accused Paul everywhere he went. They beat him. They put him in jail. They put him in prison, etc., etc., etc. And all Paul did, he was a carrier of the gospel. God spoke through him the things we read today. But if you judge his life by what his outward circumstances were like, they were horrible. Paul's the one, when you read 1 Corinthians especially, talks about all the times he was in prison, all the times he was beaten, all the times he was lied on. Talks about false brethren. Talks about the Jews, how they persecuted him. Talks about sinners, how they persecuted him. All the different ones that people groups about persecuted him. But Paul said, but the Lord delivered me out of them all. And so anyway, I just say, keep the Word of God at the top of your agenda. You work your life around the Word of God. You work your life around church. Don't try to work your church or your Word time around your job, around everything else. You put the Word of God first, put Jesus first, and these other things will come into line. God will change things. Give you a verse to leave with you, James 1.22. James 1.22. Be doers of the Word. And not here is only deceiving your own selves. Get your three by five cards. Get your three by five cards. Start writing verses out. Carry them in your purse. Carry them in your pocket. And when God gives you a verse you know speaks to you, write that verse out. Read it out loud every day. Quote the address so you know where it's out. Read it out loud. And then you want to whine about the problem. Don't whine about the problem. Hold the verse up to God. Quote the verse and thank you, but it's working in your life. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Holy Ghost night next Sunday. Amen. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.